The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, welcome to Financial Issues. I'm Shannon Burt, continuing on for Dan Celia. If you're watching us on Facebook, we ask that you share us with your friends and family. And you can also watch on the phone app, which, by the way, if you have not upgraded to the newest version, you need to do that. Support is going to sunset on the old version next week, early next week on the on the 13th. So make sure that you get that updated. You can also go back now on the new phone app and you can watch the whole program uh, from the podcast or you can just listen. So there's audio and video available now and you can take us with you wherever you go. So if you can't catch us during the time that we're live, you can uh, catch the show later. So in economic news, we had wholesale inventories came out and they actually increased 2.2% from May in May from the month earlier. So this is indicative of slowing demand, which is really what the Fed is trying to accomplish through uh, the increasing of rates and um, trying to run off some money of their of their balance sheet. But mostly the rate increases is they're trying to slow down demand in the economy, which will hopefully bring inflation under control. So the decrease in inventory, or I'm sorry, the increase in inventories represents demand deterioration is maybe a term that you hear if you're listening to the financial news. And that's happening because, you know, when COVID happened and all of the stimulus money was out there, consumers were flush with cash. They were stuck at home, so they were buying lots of things. So exercise equipment, TVs, uh, home impro- doing home improvements, all of those things. And we are at a point now where spending is shifting to services. So people are spending on travel and entertainment and things like that. So we're seeing a buildup in inventories. In mortgage news, we now have the 30-year average for mortgages at 5.4%, and it has ticked back up after pulling back a little bit to 5.33 last week. But if we want to put that in perspective, mortgage rates are up 83% since the third quarter of last year. So they were at about around 3%. Uh, mid last year, and now they're up over 5%. So 5.4% is the average. Now, this, of course, has to, you know, as it follows, mortgage applications for new purchases and refinances are both lower, going lower and lower and lower. So we're seeing less demand there for mortgages as rates increase. Uh, Just a little bit more economic news here to go over consumer sentiment. may be down a little bit, but consumer spending is up uh, 9% in May from a year ago. On the flip side of that, some news that we're seeing in, there's uh, three key supply side factors that the experts say that are is driving global inflation 
back down. So one is semiconductor price. So that's we've had we've had a lot of information in the news about semiconductors. We've had this chip shortage and all of this, but now they're saying that the price of semiconductors is now half of what it was in July of 2018's peak and down 14% from the middle of last year. We're also seeing shipping prices go down. They're saying shipping has declined 26% since its September 2021 all-time high, and that's the spot right uh, spot rate for shipping containers. Also, fertilizer prices, they're saying, are 24% down uh, from the record high in March. So, you know, all of those things may contribute. You know, we have food and energy still high and going up, and then we have some of those things moderating. So, you know, we may see it stay the same, but we we definitely will keep an eye on it. That's one of the most um, important economic factors that we're paying attention to right now. Um, in crypto news, so there's there's been a little bit of news that I've been following here lately. And just a few days ago or last week, we saw New York come out with a bill that they are expecting to ban expansion in bit, Bitcoin mining unless it's driven 100% by renewable energy. So, you know, they were kind of clear to say that they weren't banning mining, but they're banning ex- expansion unless it's driven by renewable sources, which is going to prove to be probably a very detrimental decision for New York as they just are more and more unfriendly to, uh, towards businesses. They're going to run those businesses out of the state, which is okay. You know, places like Texas and Florida, we're happy to have um the businesses come here and benefit the economies of our states. So there's even more talk, you know, as crypto has pulled back quite a bit, you know, we've seen crypto down 50 to 60%. And there's more talk of crypto crash as thousands of the 19,000 cryptocurrencies and dozens of blockchain platforms like Terra crash and are likening uh, and people are likening that to the dot com bubble crash. So, nineteen thousand cryptocurrencies out there. So, when people ask questions, you know, do we like crypto? Should you invest in crypto? I mean, where do you even start with nineteen thousand cryptocurrencies? So, obviously, there is going to be some consolidation. There's going to be, you know. Cryptocurrencies just cease to exist, just like what happened with this stable coin, you know, with Terra um, going to zero. It was supposed to be based on the dollar. So ahead of the Economic World Forum, the uh, and which happened a couple of weeks ago, the European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said that she thinks that cryptocurrencies are worth nothing. Her words exactly, direct quote, worth nothing. So yet when the World Economic Forum happened, you did hear some talk about crypto and a lot of the leaders there were starting to lend some credibility to crypto. So folks, we know that in the end, when we have a one world government, we're going to have to have a one world currency. Are we getting there? Eventually we will, but you know, who knows 
how it's going to shake out there. I just think that, you know, if you look at the crypto market, it has been a lot more volatile than you heard me mention the the S&P and the NASDAQ uh, since its highs back in November down 15 and 25 percent crypto down 60 percent. So it's not really a safe place to run. And that's usually the context that people are asking, you know, if the markets are going crazy, should we sell everything and move into crypto to be safe? And the answer to that is, in my opinion, no. Um, In March, U.S. President Joe Biden signed an executive order calling on the government to examine the risk and benefits of cryptocurrencies. Still, there are no major cryptocurrency regulations in the U.S. and other economies. So it's on their radar. They're looking at it. They're not sticking their head in the sands. But, you know, if if the IRS really wants to fill its coffers, which it needs to do, Um, if it wants to continue to spend like drunken sailors like it has been, they're going to need to start looking at cryptocurrency tax fraud. And they are. So don't think it's not on their radar. In 2019, uh, that was the first year that a question appeared on tax returns about crypto. And it was just one little simple question. And it asked if you had done any crypto transaction during the year and you had to check the box. Um, In 2020, they moved that question to the 1040, which is a form that almost uh, every filer uses. And now every, uh, just about every filer has to answer that question. So you have to keep in mind that whenever you sign your tax return, you're doing that under penalty of law. So you're having to give an answer to the government about whether you're involved in crypto or not. And then they're going to, that's going to be kind of a red flag where they start to look for those transactions. We're also going to get to your questions on social right after this next break. Do you know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And It may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. 
To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union, your money building God's kingdom. People are talking a lot about healthcare these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burt. And right before the break, I was talking about crypto and some of the uh, things to be aware of there. And especially in regards to taxes, you know, and there's this question now on the tax forms that ask you if you've been involved in any cryptocurrency transactions and that has to be reported to the IRS. So it's, you know, there's a kind of a big argument about should you have to pay taxes uh, as a capital gain? Should it be treated as a capital asset or a currency? But, and I'm not a tax professional, but from my understanding, you know, under the current regulations that you have to treat your crypto transactions as a uh, capital asset where you have to pay gains and could potentially get deductions for taking losses if you experience those in your crypto. So if you, once you buy into crypto, if you buy good or service with your crypto, then that's considered a sell of the crypto and you either have a gain or a loss. So there can be some complicated tax reporting. Most of the, um, you know, the, the big reputable uh, wallets and the places where you can purchase crypto do send you uh, tax documents to help you report those transactions, but they do still have to be reported. So in 2020, the IRS also sent a round of letters to crypto holders who may not have complied with the tax rules, um, expanding on their previous year's mailing of 10,000 letters. So the IRS is on this. They are you know, they are looking for it. And, you know, tax specialists say that the recipients are often customers of Coinbase, uh, which was ordered by federal court to turn over information on some accounts to the IRS. So if you're going to engage in crypto, then I encourage you to do it, obviously, uh, on a very transparent level and report your, your gains and your losses there. So I just wanted to finish up those thoughts. We do have some callers and we'll get right to them. Let's go to John. John's calling us from Arkansas. Hi, John. Um, I have a 403B that I'm transferring over into Fidelity to an IRA that I want to use for charitable giving. And they're going to ask okay. me where I want to put that. And my question is, should, I'm, going to, I'm going to be writing monthly checks to like several nonprofit uh, ministries, including yours and so forth. Where should I put that in. There's a money market. It's 
CD or I'm going to have check writing privileges. Yeah. So if you, any amount that you plan on writing in checks, you just want to leave in the money market because, um, or check with your custodian to see if they automatically do liquidations, but most of the time they won't. If you don't have the cash available for checks that are written, then the checks will just bounce. So you want to make sure that you have that money readily available if you've written a check on it. Yes. Yeah. We'll be doing Fidelity and they're going to send me a checkbook. And I asked them, they said, yes, and there's, there's no limit. Like I could give to six or 10 different organizations monthly. They said, there's no limit. So, and then the question is at the end of the year, will they send me a 1099 or some type of a statement that shows how much I've dis- dispersed and given for the year? Or, and does that have any tax impl- implications? So what typically happens is there is a limit that um, you need to know about, but it's a very high limit. So you can't do more than $100,000 in giving in a year. So I don't know that if you're in danger of reaching that limit no. or not, but that is, <laughs> that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So when they report your distributions at the end of the year, they are going to report everything that was distributed from your IRA account, whether it was given to a charitable organization or whether it was deposited into your bank account. And you want that to happen because the government needs to know that, you know, if you're 72 or 70 and a half and you had already started taking your RMDs, it needs to know that those RMDs were satisfied. So in line four of your tax return, you'll see two blanks. There's an A and a B. And in A, it it wants to know how much money was distributed from all of your IRAs. So you're going to put that there. That's going to come on the 1099. And then as you get over to the right-hand column where it kind of totals up all of your taxable income, it's going to ask you how much of those distributions were taxable. So that's where you have to really report that uh, QCD or charitable uh, qualified charitable distribution in order that you don't pay taxes on it. So I don't know what happened, how it happens at every different brokerage firm. I can only speak for the one that I'm familiar with. And so when we do uh, QCDs, what happens is that the account holder gets a letter in the mail and or they can print it by going onto their account and it shows where the money was sent, how much was sent and what the date was and the account number for the uh, from for the distribution. Um, You don't have to turn those in whenever you do your taxes. All you have to do is report it, but you're going to want to keep good records so that if you ever do get questioned or audited by the IRS, you have that documentation to show where it went and how much it was. Now, the other important thing to remember too, and the QCD is a really, really great thing for people who do not itemize, who use the standard deduction, which is, you know, the case for, I would say, most filers. But if you do a QCD and you do itemize, you can't count it twice. Okay. Well, I think that answers because all my other giving would be counted as far as, but I'm going to try to get most of my giving through that. So that would be good. Whether you've helped me a lot. Yeah, that. Good. I'm glad I could help. And that's a really great way. I'm glad John called in and asked that question because it's important. The requirement there is that you have to be 70 and a half to be able to do that giving as a law sits right now. And in my opinion, once you turn 70 and a half, especially if you take the standard deduction and you don't itemize, the best thing to do is do your giving with that uh, qualified charitable distribution because the money comes out 
tax free. And there's just no other way to get money out of a qualified account tax free than to do your giving that way. And, you know, I guess there could be some circumstances where it might not be the case, but I can't really see why you wouldn't do all of your giving with the QCD. Because, you know, if you're, especially if you're having to take out, let's say you're having to take out $10,000 from your IRA as a required minimum distribution. And let's say that you give $10,000, but you only do $8,000 from your IRA and then you do some cash giving too. Well, then that cash giving, you know, you still have to take out that additional $2,000 from your IRA. So if you deposit it into your account and then you do all of your giving out of your account, well, you've just had to pay taxes on that distribution. So it just makes a whole lot of sense to utilize that qualified charitable distribution. And just to kind of clear up yesterday, we had a question about this too. And I was I was talking about the the, qualifi- the qualifiers for it to be a qualified charitable distribution, you can actually have the check sent to you, but the check has to be made payable to the institution. So you want to make sure that that's the case. You can't just say, oh, I plan on giving $1,000 to my church, so I'm going to have my my custodian deposit $1,000 into my account, and then I'm going to write the check. It has to be done directly. We have Minda calling from Georgia. Hi, Minda. Hey, Shanna. Uh, I have uh, one, maybe two questions. I, I uh, want, need to know on dividends, the best resource to go to to determine if your company, what they're paying in dividend. Um, my husband doesn't really like the forward dividend number. So how do you, how do, what resource do you go to and how do you tell their actual dividend? So the the best way to do that is to use whatever platform you use for trading. You can usually click on that and it will give you the information right there. I'm trying to get to the uh, broad list and see if, if it shows on our website as well. But if you have to calculate it manually, what you can see is what the dividend uh, rate is. And it'll tell you in dollars. And then you just divide that by the current share price. So what's going to happen is that the the yield is going to change as often as the price changes, which is which could be minute by minute. Um, if you're on the financial issues website and you click on the little arrow by the stock under the dividends, you'll see the dividend rate. And then right underneath it, you'll see the dividend yield. And then you'll also see the ex-dividend date. So there's some pretty good information there too. Okay, and then also uh, I heard what you said about the largest three companies like Vanguard, BlackRock. I didn't hear the other one, but I have Vanguard. Am I safe from all the diversity uh, stuff if I sell my Vanguard funds but keep regular stocks? Um, Well, you should be, but in regard to what you're talking about, let me give the the listeners, a little bit of an update there. What I was talking about is how those big three, uh, Vanguard, State Street, and Fidelity, um, I'm sorry, BlackRock, they hold all of their clients' securities in street name. And what that does is that gives them the ability to vote, proxy votes, um, board of directors, all of the shareholder resolutions that come up, they get to vote those shares for 
the shareholders. So what's happening is that their values are very liberal, very different than, you know, yours and mine as Christians. They are for ESG, which is not the same as BRI. And, you know, they're going to vote much differently than we would. So unless the law really changes, there's not a whole lot that we can do about it unless we uh, vote our shares. So one of the things that we can do is support, there's a congressman by the name of Dan Sullivan from Alaska, and he's put together, I forget the name of the bill, I'll have to go back and look it up, but he's he's putting forth a bill saying to try to take away the right of these big, well, not just the big three, but mostly these big three uh, to get to vote all of the shares that they hold in street name. Thank you. Sure. Well, thanks for calling. We appreciate your ongoing support. Minda's been a longtime partner and a great supporter of this ministry, and we really appreciate her and her heart to be uh, biblically responsible. Now, of course, with the Vanguard mutual funds, you're you're not going to, most likely you're not going to be biblically responsible. But if you want to find out if that fund or any other fund or any other stock that you might own is biblically responsible, you can do that on our website at financialissues.org. If you just go to the front page and scroll down on the right until you see what looks like a little wheel, it will show you all of the screens that it screens these, these companies and funds and ETFs for, abortion, pornography, the LGBT agenda, human rights violation, alcohol, tobacco, and gambling. And when you click on that, you can screen up to five different securities a month and you can see whether or not they are biblically responsible and if they're not, you know, why they're not. I'm Shanna Burt. Uh, Stick with me. I'll be back right after this next break. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And And to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and and to to take take care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple of God. God. I pray that our family will love Jesus. Read His Word daily and obey His teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shannon Burt. I'm a financial advisor in private practice. Securities are offered through GA Repl and Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, members of FINRA and SIPC. My opinions are my own and don't necessarily reflect those of the media outlet that you're watching on or my broker-dealer. So have to get that out of the way a little bit. 
You just heard there during the break the some information about the Timothy plan, and we're so grateful for the Timothy plan. They have been such a great partner of financial issues for a very long time, and they are really and truly a pioneer in the biblically responsible investing space. They are one of the very first mutual funds that felt the heart conviction to do something about the moral decay happening in this country. And they have spent a tremendous amount of resources, time, talent, and treasure. They have been a very, very good steward of the gospel message of Jesus Christ and helped people understand that they need to invest according to their values. You know, there's there's so many things we just can't compartmentalize our faith in this world. We have to be good citizens. We have to get out and vote our values. We have we also have to be very uh, aware of what we're doing with the money and the, the resources that the Lord has trusted us with and that we're not inadvertently funding the kingdom of darkness by investing in companies that are using profits and money that belongs to the shareholders to further causes that grieve the heart of the Lord. So we're we're so grateful for our partnership, our continued partnership with the Timothy plan. As a follow-up to a question that we got uh, a couple of days ago about student loan payoffs. So there's been some news about the Biden administration has now used his pen or his executive privilege and bypassed the authority that the Congress has, which is the the power of the purse, you know, they they control the purse strings, but he has just decided to cancel $5.8 billion in student loans for Corinthian College students. And we had a, a caller that called in and said, you know, that she had had some student loans and what should she do if the Biden administration does Pass, does get this uh, change done where they want to wipe out $10,000 per person of student loan. You know, she was in the camp. She didn't really think that it was the right thing for them to do. She said that she had taken on the debt and intended to be responsible and to honor her word that her yes was going to be yes and her no was going to be no, and that she was going to pay off the debts that she had accumulated. Um, but she was asking what she should do if that becomes available. Well, in this particular case where he's already canceled this debt, it's automatic. So the person didn't even really have a choice. And it said that people who had their debt wiped out would just be notified. They didn't have to apply or anything like that. Um, Let's get to some questions that we have on social and then we'll get to some calls. So we had Ron yesterday saying, that he's glad to hear that I was feeling better and that financial issues is up and running again. Lord's blessing to you. Thank you for that, Ron. Uh, Craig was asking on Facebook, looking at the Timothy asset allocation ages 65 and up, I do not understand why 17% is recommended for fixed income, which has basically been flat over the last 10 years. Uh, Wouldn't TM59 be a better idea than fixed income? So. Uh, to your point, Tim, uh, Craig, we are revising the asset allocation models. It's been very, very difficult in the last really 10 to 20 years to actually get, well, 10 to 15 years, to actually get good returns in the fixed income market because interest rates have been so low just due to you know fiscal policy 
in this country. So um, those are being updated. I think Pat's going to be getting an alert out to the partners. Now, in this first alert that's going out, uh, only two asset allocation models, two age models have been updated, and that is the 65 into retirement and the 55 to 65, both the investment models and the Timothy model. So if you're not a partner, what I'm talking about here might be a little bit confusing to you. But at Financial Issues, what we do is we teach you how to build your own portfolio in a biblically responsible way. And so we have a couple of different options. Number one is if you're really interested in knowing what you own and don't mind, you know, being a little bit more hands-on, we have an investment model. And what happens is that there's these asset allocation models that you follow. You decide which one fits you best, and they're age, uh, they're bracketed by age. So, um, for the most part, you just pick whatever age you are. Now, if you have different circumstances, maybe you're 45 years old and you're retired <laughs> because you just had a lot of money and you had enough money to fund your retirement and you wanted to do that. Well, then you would not follow your age model, you would probably follow the 65 into retirement model. But for the most part, people are going to pick their age model. And then with that, we have a buy list. Now, the buy list has been on hold since Dan passed at the end of, well, actually, since he went into the hospital at the beginning of February. So we haven't had any new things on the buy list. But the way that that works is that once you determine which asset allocation model that you use. You're going to build your portfolio. Um, and we advocate doing it over a six to 12 month period. So you're rather than just going in and doing it all at once, you're going to do it little by little. There's great value and there's great wisdom in the principle of little by little. You'll find that all throughout the scriptures. So if you have all of your money in cash, then you're going to divide that up my recommendation is between nine to 12 months. So divide that by nine or 12. And once a month on the same day, you're just going to be disciplined. It doesn't matter if the market is going up, down or sideways. You're just going to go ahead and invest that money and establish your positions little by little. And you only buy from the buy list. So we're getting closer and closer and closer. And so maybe we'll have a time frame for you, uh, Maybe I can report the time frame in the next few days, but we are in the process of getting that back going again. So it's a very, uh, I won't say cheap because it's a, it's not, cheap indicates low value and there's really a lot of value in what we do here, but because it is a ministry, we make it affordable for people who want to be able to be biblically responsible. So you can pay just $85 a year and you would log into the website and you would have access under the partner tab to see all of this. In addition, you also are privy to the partner conference calls that are happening once a month. Um, sometimes we they happen more often if there are things going on that we really feel like you need to hear from us on. And that partnership is $85 a year, not a month, but a year. And it's really high quality research that you're getting, you know, you're getting good advice. 
uh, on how to build and manage your own biblically responsible portfolio. For $124 a year, you can get the access to the portfolio tracker, which in my opinion, it is really hard unless you're kind of a spreadsheet nerd like I am, and you can kind of create your own way of tracking these things. But we have a portfolio tracker that's available for just a little bit more every year. And it's a really neat tool. You can go in and you can load all of your positions uh, and then you match up what sector they are and you get to the output page and it shows you in a quick glance what your targeted asset allocation looks like, like where you're supposed to be versus where you are. And so at, you know, in 10 seconds or less, you get a good idea of what you need to be doing and how you need to be moving money around. Once you get the portfolio built, it's just kind of a a maintenance situation after that. It's not, this is a long-term strategy. If you're trying to time the market or figure out when the best time to get in and get out, don't waste your money because you you will be dissatisfied. But if you are in that camp, I would encourage you to, to continue to listen. We give a lot of information on this program about the history of the markets and about timing the market. You know, we believe very strongly that you can't really time the market. There are no successful market timers out there. In fact, um, just this past week, I was reading some research from two different big analytical firms that are well-respected in the industry. And, you know, one of them was saying that by year end, it expects the S&P to be about 16% higher than where it is right now. The other firm was saying that we're going to see a dramatic drop in just a few months. So in the short term, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, there are so many things that could happen that we just can't predict. I mean, who knew in December of 2019, that at the end of the next month, we would be hearing about this COVID-19 virus that was going to wreak havoc and cause us to shut down our whole uh, economy. Nobody really saw that coming. So, you know, there there's going to be things that happen in the short term, this Ukrainian invasion uh, by Russia. This has really wreaked havoc in uh supplies for oil and gas for the world, um, more specifically the Eastern Europe, European nations, and now the world is responding. So, you know, there's things that happen in the short term and that we have to modify and adapt to, and we do that, but we don't get hung up on the short term. We look at long-term trends. We really focus on stewardship, and stewardship is all about knowing whose money it is, everything belongs to the Lord, and what we're supposed to be doing with it. And we do our best here to help you understand that and to be a good steward because there is a test coming one day. Whether you believe it or not, there's a test coming and we want to help you be well prepared to give a good answer when that day comes. So we'll be back right after this. We'll get to calls and answer questions. I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. Oops, there's a piece I missed a little bit. Grandpa, why do we always pick up litter when we go hiking? Well, we're just making it nicer for people who come after us a little bit. It's called stewardship. 
My grandfather taught me that you should always leave a place better than you found it, that it's important to invest in the lives of your children and grandchildren, leaving them with a godly legacy they can build on. That's why I decided to set up a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. It's called stewardship. I know that my gift will support a ministry that honors the biblical principles I hold dear, and it's a way to invest in the future of our country. The AFA Foundation also arranged for me to have a steady fixed income, so I don't have to worry in the midst of changing times. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story doesn't end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250 keyword baby, pound 250 baby, or donate securely at preborn.com. That's preborn.com. India Partners is an international and humanitarian organization providing life-changing care to children and families in extreme poverty in India. Will you consider supporting India Partners? Your gift will provide food, education, medical care, counseling, and a way out of the red light district. Additionally, you can give to provide a family with safe and clean water. Go right now to indiapartners.org and learn more about how you can share the love of Christ and change the lives of people in India. Your gift is a tangible expression of faith and love for the ongoing ministry in India. Go to indiapartners.org. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this show do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors. Well, welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burt, and we're going to get right to calls as we wrap up this hour. So let's go right to Ron. Ron is calling us from Ohio. Uh, I'm just uh, appreciate that you've taken over. Uh, uh, you know, being ahead for the or the voice for the ministry, and just thank you. Um, my question, first of all, I get two, has to do with gifting. Uh, my mother-in-law recently sold her house and would like to gift uh, some of the funds to her children. How does one go about that, and what are the tax implications? Well, I guess it would really depend on the amount of money. She can gift up to $15,000 a year per person. So, you know, if she has a child that's married, she could gift 15000 to one 
15,000 to the other. You're just going to want to make sure that you keep good records, you know, write two separate checks and things like that. If it's going to be more money than that, then you really would want to check with a tax person, um, either your, your mom's tax person or your tax person, just to see what implications that, uh, you know, she would run into in gifting more than just the the annual amount. Okay. And the second question, I'll just ask it, and I'll just let you answer. I'll hang up. Um, this whole crypto thing, I don't really understand how that works. You said today that there's like 19,000 different crypto whatever coins or type. I mean, what is it? Do you physically buy a coin or is it like buying gold coins or is it, you know, I I just don't understand crypto altogether. Yeah. And I hesitate to even talk about it on the air because I think a lot of times people will suggest that I'm recommending it, which I am not. It is a, a very, very high risk asset class. And, you know, there's, there's not, that's not something that we are recommending at the time. But to kind of answer your question, it's not a physical coin. So everything's done electronically and it uses a blockchain technology that is supposed to be really, really secure. And so uh, all of this is done in the, in the electronic and the technology world where you where coins are mined and then there's a value, you know, and some of these things, it's just um, some of the the currencies go up and down dramatically and there's not really any good explanation as to why. So it's, it's an emerging thing. I mean, it's been around for a little while, but it's an emerging concept. It doesn't have a lot of acceptance in, you know, by the central banks. Now the central banks are starting to look at it and that is going to, lend some credibility once you have some central banks start to buy into that. But at this point, it's just something interesting to watch and to see what is happening, in my opinion. Well, thanks for calling, Ron. We, we appreciate your questions. Uh, let's go to Rocky. Rocky is calling us from Texas. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning. Um, my, my question is, my wife has a, four, has a 401k with a company she just left, and she went to a new company where she just started, they just started putting money into a 403b. Now, I'm, I'm a member, and I've been with Dan about five years, and I've, I've gained a little bit of knowledge, but I still don't know what to do. Um um, I'm looking to find out what to do with a 401k, which is in a Fidelity account in the old company. And what I learned so far is that I can roll it, I believe, to a traditional IRA, non-taxable, uh, or, um, but I don't know if I'm supposed to sell it, like like cash it in and then move it move the money or do I just move it into a like items or do I move it okay. to Guidestone? I don't know anything about Guidestone. I try to go into her account and look at it and it was very confusing. It's not like Fidelity and TD Ameritrade and Robinhood and so forth. It, it looks different. And so it's kind of hard, kind of confusing. Couldn't understand it. 
I got you. Well, if you're wanting to be biblically responsible, which it sounds like you probably do since you've been a member for so long, I would not move it to Guidestone. Although Guidestone has at one time held themselves out to be biblically responsible, they do not meet the same standards that we use for biblically responsible investing. So I would not move it there. What I would recommend is to move it to an IRA. And you you are exactly right in your description of it. So the way that you do that is that you set up an IRA account uh, wherever you choose at a, you know, if I were you, if you want to use, depends on which model you want to use. If you just want to use the mutual funds, you could go directly to Timothy Plan and have them set it up for you. Now, you won't be able to use any of the ETFs or the individual stocks if you do that. So if you want to be able to, to have a little bit more selection in your account, then I would set it up at the discount brokerage of your choice. Um, there's lots of them out there. You're just going to want to make sure as you're looking at them that you can invest in the things that are going to be in the asset allocation model for you. The things that may present a little bit of a challenge are going to be like the Timothy Plan Israel Fund because there are some companies out there that just have audio, you know, ideological uh, problems with investing in Israel. So you want to make sure that you're not going to fall into to that trap if, you know, if that's part of the asset allocation model that you're going to use. And as far as how to do it, you have to call the place where it's currently held. So I think you said it was Fidelity and you just tell them, you know, or, or your wife will have to call because it's in her name. And so you just tell them that you're wanting to do a rollover and how do you do it? What is the process? They will either say, um, we can take the instructions right now over the phone. You just tell us uh what the name of the custodian is, where your account is held, what is the account number, and either you know their address or your address, and they'll make the distribution for you. They'll read you a tax notice and things like that. Or they will say, we need you to fill out some paperwork. And if that's the case, it's the same information. Uh, where do you want it sent? Where is your account held? What's the account number? And, and those things. And then you sign off on it. Most of the time, they will not give you the option to keep what you have and just move it to the new account. It's a, a liquidation, and they'll usually tell you that on the phone that, you know, if you're ready to do this today, we'll put in the order and you'll get the closing price for the day, and that'll be, that'll determine how much is distributed. Now, there are a handful of 401k providers that are self-directed, and they will let you move out the the holdings that you have if you've already you know built a stock portfolio but you know all of that is not really a big deal it doesn't have any tax implications for you because as you mentioned the money moves as long as you're moving from a pre-tax 401k to an IRA which those are both qualified money the 401k is just the employer sponsored plan that allows you to put in money pre-tax and have it tax deferred, grow tax deferred. And IRA is the individual retirement account. So it's the individual version of the, the, the 401k. So, you know, moving money from one to the other is a non-taxable event. You don't have to worry about taxes till you start taking the money out. Okay. All right. Um, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm going to have to play this back a couple of times to completely understand it. 
I just want to say thank you so much for taking over Dan's position. We feel so blessed with you being there and, and um, that we love you guys and, and, and we pray blessings upon you. Thank you. We appreciate that so much. And I'm I'm really glad you said that about going back and listening to it, folks, because you can do that. If you get our phone app, you can go back and listen or even watch the podcast. So if you're listening to something live, maybe you catch the tail end of it, or maybe you think, wow, I've never heard that before. There's a lot of moving parts to that. I wish I could hear that again. You can always go back, just kind of jot down or make a mental note of what time it was whenever you heard it or at what part of the hour it was. Most of the most of the times that are, if it's not live, it's replayed, it's an hour. So you can go back and kind of equivocate that to the time the time period in the podcast and you can go right to it. You can rewind it. You can listen again. And lots of times the uh, the social media team here will make little clips and they'll put them out on Facebook. So if there's something that you hear that's very interesting to you, like us talking about the qualified charitable distribution and how you can do giving from your IRA and have that money come out tax free, you know, you can share those things. And that's a, that's a great thing. And it helps get the word out for the ministry as well, because, you know, the scripture says that faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing the word. So that same, uh, that same principle applies to us here at the ministry. So, so many times we're not saying something as important as the gospel of Jesus Christ, but, you know, faith, faith and learning does come by hearing. So we ask that you share that information uh, for us. I want to try to get to one last quick question on social. And Susan is asking, where do I find what set investments are so that I can plug that into my portfolio tracker? And so, Susan, the answer to that is that you will have to go and look through. Um, if it's not on the buy list, you'll have to go to the fraud list and you'll have to look in each little sector and find your the stock that you own and it, it will tell you there. Another way of doing it is you can look on the platform that you're on. You can look at the snapshot of the stock itself. And a lot of times it will tell what industry it's in and you'll be able to match it up there. So folks, we are at the end of the program. I'm Shana Burt with Financial Issues. We will never compromise our principles and standards we will never give away our freedom. We will never abandon our belief in God. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.